Hey guys and gals, Cable here. This week's podcast brought to you once again by my friends over at iSocial Boost. You know, I uh, I already had my Lone Star Outdoors show page pretty squared away, but iSocial Boost guys came to me and said, hey, we've got this product that really can help out people looking to make a name for themselves or grow their brand in the outdoor industry. So I said, you know what, we'll start a new page. And before we promote it, I will determine if iSocial Boost really works. Well, let me tell you, <laughs> it passed with flying colors. My new page, A Hunter's Legacy, has over 10,200 followers. I, I literally post a couple times a week. Don't do re- really anything to manage it other than just put interesting content out there. And iSocial Boost does the rest. It, it targets people who have the same interest by using hashtags and other people that you want to follow. So like, Jim Shockey, or you use the hashtag deer hunting or big game uh, hunting, all those things. So you find people who have these like interests. And iSocialBoost does the rest. Plus, you can use my promo code, and this is the most important thing uh, Lone Star. Use that promo code. That's Lone Star at iSocialBoost.com, and you'll get 80% off your first week with no strings attached. So use it for a week. If you don't see the kind of growth that you want or expect, then cancel no strings attached. That is literally a $5 investment on yourself. Check it out, isocialboost.com. Good morning, good morning, Cable Smith. Welcome, everybody, to the Lone Star Outdoor Show powered by Dallas Safari Club. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being here today. That is, there we go, one of my favorite tunes from Brad Hines. Years fly by in the blink of an eye. We're young and then we're old. In the long run, it's a short ride. Here we are, there we go. Isn't that true, friends? I think Brad is spot on. I love those lyrics. And it certainly is a short ride. So, you know what I say. One life to live. Love hard and play harder. There's no time for hate. There truly is not. We've got a great show lined up for you today. So, you know what to do by now. Pull up that stool a little closer to the old campfire. Pour yourself another cup of coffee out of Granddaddy's beat-up old Stanley Thermos. Because we are ready to rock and roll. Off the top, we will be joined by our old friend and two-time BASS Elite Series Angler of the Year, Gerald Swindle. And we'll talk some. Uh, well, we'll talk a little deer hunting with Gerald, who had a a pretty rough season, to say the least, and then transition into some winter bass fishing, uh, specifically small spoons for big winter lunkers. So some bass fishing talk coming at you here momentarily. Then we'll spend a couple segments talking archery with our pal Corbin Williams of Corbin's Archery. I've gotten quite a few emails and messages on uh, Facebook here recently from you guys who wanted us to talk about setting up a bow because it seems so simple. You order a bow online, you get it, right? I mean, who hasn't done that? I know uh, I've certainly sold some online, and so I know the guys that bought them didn't shoot them beforehand. And sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. 
Uh, and the first bow I ever bought. Hell, I didn't know what I was doing. But there are things that you should be doing when making that kind of investment. Corbin will talk about some of the most um, common mistakes he sees guys make when purchasing a new bow. And then also we'll transition into matching the appropriate arrow with the bow once you've narrowed it down and, and decided on one. Uh, there's a science to that as well. And then I think we'll also talk uh, bow sights towards the end of that discussion. I think, and here's something cool, we'll also give away three sets of strings right here on the air today. So pretty cool stuff there. Uh, awesome giveaway from Corbin. Um, what else? Oh, yeah. At the bottom of the hour, we will be joined by Macy Blankenship of Lone Star Ag Credit. Because if you're like me, you know, the dream someday, if uh, if there ever proves a way to get rich in radio or uh, podcasting, I hope to buy my own land and hunt on my own land, right? Isn't that what we all want? Leasing's great, but you're not really in control. And, uh, I, you know, for me personally, owning my own slice of paradise would be the end-all, be-all. Uh, of course, still love those public lands too, but I certainly would like to own my own little place. And Lone Star Ag Credit has been helping folks make that dream a reality for over 100 years. So we will be joined by Macy coming up here in just a little bit. A couple other things to mention. I've got another one of my brand new Keep It Public Lone Star Outdoors Show shirts. Going back to my love for public lands. Uh, it's got that Beastie Boys. No, oh, it's, a, it's a play on the Beastie Boys song. It says, fight for your right to party. And it's got a couple dudes sitting around a campfire toasting you know, with a an elk skull there uh, laying by the campfire. It's a very, um, you know, primitive-looking shirt, which was what I wanted, but it gets the message across. So we've got a Keep It Public shirt. Fight for your right to party. All you have to do is send in, actually just email Keep It Public to Lone Star Outdoor Show at gmail.com. We did the same giveaway last week. I've still got a couple of these shirts left. And then I will put them up on viral style for anyone that wants to order them, and I will do that next week. So stay tuned. I'll post a link on the website and on our social media outlets. Uh, don't forget our photo of the month contest is going on right now. I've got a Havilon knife. It is a Peranta bolt that we're giving away to this month's winner. Send in your best hunting, fishing, or outdoor photo to Lone Star Outdoors Show at gmail.com and you could win one of our monthly contests. And then our monthly winners for 2019 We'll square off at the end of the year for a chance to hunt trophy axis deer or black buck with me down at Coons Canyon Ranch in Rock Springs, Texas. Another great grand prize brought to you by Coons Canyon Ranch. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're talking winter bucket mouths with our old buddy Gerald Swindle. You're listening to the Lone Star Outdoors Show. Guess I'll meet you in the middle. All right, waterfowl junkies, the finisher is the quick and humane way to dispatch a duck or goose. It's uh, you know, it's unsettling when you've wrung that bird's neck, you throw it in the pile, and 10 minutes later, he's laying there flopping. Uh-uh. We don't want that. That's not ethical. And so the finisher alleviates that. You stick the finisher in the back of the bird's skull at an upward angle, give it a little twist, boom, dead instantly, never felt the thing. The finisher is only 14 bucks. It fits on any waterfowling lanyard, and you can find it at adrenal-line.com. 
Hey, hey, all you waterfowl junkies out there. Cable here for TX Duck Blinds. Highly durable and highly mobile customized duck blinds built by duck hunters for duck hunters. Each blind is built from solid steel by professional welders and field tested before shipment. A duck season will come and go, but guess what? Your TX Duck Blind is built to last. Customize yours today by calling 817-965-1306. You can also find them at texasduckblinds.com or check them out on Instagram and Facebook at TX Duck Blinds. And then we put our lines down in the water And waited for the fish to bite Yeah, we talked about God and talked about a living There's times we would talk all night Well, you know, if you didn't have time to go He'd tell you it would be sin How I Fishing with Grandpa is the name of that one there from the Bo Phillips Band. Bringing us back on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Uh, might give you a little tear in your beer. It certainly makes me think of my granddad and doing a little fishing with him. He was a good man. And someone who, when they spoke, you listened. And I was always captivated by the discussions with my grandfather from the time I was a little boy until, let's see, he passed away when I was about late 20s uh, but those times we spent together uh, I learned to cherish the older I got and he was a frugal man uh, who never lived above his means and I've tried to take that with me you know I don't spend extravagantly although he'd probably scoff if he knew what I paid for deer leases <laughs> these days but uh, anyway fishing with grandpa I'm Cable Smith thank you guys and gals for being here we're actually about to talk some bass fishing with one of the best of the best, the two-time Angler of the Year winner. Uh, but first, this segment of the show, probably brought to you by Lone Star Beer, the national beer of Texas. Grab a 12-pack on your way to the lake this spring. Remember, <laughs> celebrate those tight lines and full stringers by drinking responsibly with an ice-cold Lone Star Beer. All right. Well, with that being said, let's go ahead and bring on our first guest today. Like I said, two-time BASS Angler of the Year. I think one of only 10 anglers to ever accomplish that feat. And so making his return to the broadcast right now, it is my pleasure to welcome Gerald Swindle back to the program. Man, I appreciate you guys having me. You know, it's uh, it's kind of getting down, winding everything down, and deer season slowing down, and fishing season kicking up, so it's kind of it's kind of good to get back in the swing of things. Yeah, man, one of the funniest things I've seen this year was uh, – I guess you didn't have a great deer season. It looked like you were kind of making a confession. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm going to start a new series of, of camo confession. I think uh, that's the part of hunting that nobody ever talks about. It seems like social media mostly focuses on if somebody kills one or if it's going great, but you hardly ever hear people just talk about the true frustrations of it, you know. It just, you know, either shot a limb or ain't seeing crap. I'm getting my hand. <laughs> But I think it was kind of cool. He was like, man, you should do those more often. I'm like, well, I really didn't enjoy the season that much, so I don't want to do it again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and, and you actually, uh, I mean, you're a passionate hunter, enough so that you've got food plots. And, I mean, you, you take a real interest in trying to give the deer the best habitat available. We do, man. As a family, uh, my wife and I own about 500 acres here in Alabama, and we own 300 in Tennessee, and then we lease another 200 in Illinois. And we 
with the help of my son-in-law, me and her, we try to plant as much as we can. We try to have in food plots with service for the deer, you know, year-round. And, it, you know, people think, oh, God, these guys are hunters. Maybe they're just bad. You know, most of you are really serious deer hunters kill fewer deer than anybody alive mm-hmm. because all we try to do is go as big as we can increase the herd and only try to kill the biggest deer i had someone to ask me about that today i said well i've had my farm in alabama 12 years and we've killed five deer off of it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so i said but i can honestly say we truly made a difference in the, in the herd the i can watch the, the you know when people think what's the key to doing all that why i said because if you monitor it you can see a doe when she comes out of the back side of the rut, she's run down. Mm-hmm. So if she gets, if she's pregnant with twins, she can't carry them. So she's probably going to lose one if she don't lose them both. So I said, it's, a, it's more to hunting than just, hey, let's go see if we can see a buck. You plant most of that food for the does because if the mothers are healthier, then they have better offsprings. If the offsprings are healthier, they grow to maturity faster. The bucks get bigger faster. So I thought we... We monitor that via camera on every food plot and watch. And it's funny to see my wife, how much she's gotten involved from start to finish, you know, because people ask me, how did you get her to hunt? I think she just bought in on what we were doing. Hmm. She watched me monitor the does from buying a farm that we never had a picture of a fawn. I mean, I used to never have a picture of a fawn. To now being able to come up here and her check her cameras and she's got... 15 or 20 sets of twins and some triplets that she's all of a sudden realizing, yeah, we might shoot the biggest deer here if we see him, but for the most part, we're raising a better herd. And once it clicks, we're just a hunting family then. <laughs> I have redneck all winter <laughs> yeah. in a bow and wait till we get right back into fishing. Mm-hmm. You know, but it's, uh, I do think hunting keeps you, it really kind of keeps you in tune with, with Mother Nature, which really pays off in fishing. It's your you know, you notice wind changes, you notice cloud cover days, you notice moon phases when animals are more active. And I really do think all that links back to fishing in some ways. <laughs> right, right. Well, I mean, it sounds like obviously you, you're, I mean, you are eating up with it. Uh, but for a full-time professional fisherman, that's like another, uh, that's like another job, you know, doing all the, the food plots and everything else. And uh, that's one my wife says I never rest. <laughs> she told my doctor manual checkup. She said most women complain that their husband doesn't work enough, and I'm complaining that he don't never stop working. Yeah. She yeah. said, you know, because it's a commitment. You know, I just don't have the time. So when I'm home, you know, it's nothing to work a 12, 14 hour day getting everything ready. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's if you enjoy it, yeah, you're mentally, you're physically exhausted, but you're not mad. You're just tired. You know, oh you yeah. Work a job that sucks. Then you're tired and mad. Well, we're all kind of sick in the head on some level, whether it's you know to get up at 4 a.m. to go fishing or or duck hunting or to climb a tree stand. You know, I'd say the average member of American society thinks we're all just a little bit. You know, got a couple screws loose. Uh, that's fine. Well, they don't mess with us, right? That way they don't park too yeah. close to you at Walmart. Mm. Well, I always say people don't mess with people they think's crazy. That's right. That's right. And they know we all have guns too. So yes, know. yes, we are packed. Mm-hmm. Bows and guns and bows and guns. But how's everything been going out there with you? I mean, you've been staying busy. Oh yeah, I was going to tell you. So fish any? We had a good Texas whitetail season down here, but uh, I got to go up to Illinois for the first time and do a black powder hunt in Pike County. And oh yeah, shot a. I was an, it was an eight point. He wasn't one of those monsters you hear, you know, coming out of Pike County, but he sure 
he he weighed 260 pounds after the rut, and you consider these deer lose 30 percent of their body weight. I mean, geez, I've never it's seen a deer that big. Incredible, man. <laughs> Especially with somebody like you leaving Texas <laughs> yeah. and going out there, it's incredible to see the body size of those deer. The neck size, you know, a typical deer up there, if his horns are outside the ears, somebody's like, well, his horns are just barely outside the ears. That's 17 inches in Illinois. Yeah. In Alabama, that's 12 and three-quarter almost every time. Yeah. That's the difference in the skull structure and everything. I said, man, they're like they're like cattle up there. Mm-hmm. Yep. There's no doubt about that. Well, let's, uh, let's talk a little fishing. You know, it's wintertime, and the bass are... They're stacking up in the backs of creeks and really chasing shad. I was reading this article. It's a couple years old, but uh, it was kind of when you discovered a winter spoon. Yep. And you kind of did it on accident. I think you were frustrated and said, you know what, I'm just going to tie this uh, jigging spoon on and, and, and see what happens. So tell us exactly what played out from that point. Well, I think, uh, you know, out of frustration, anglers try things. And that's one of the situations where you're sitting there and you're not really catching nothing. The water temperature's done got cold. The fish are stacked up, and you're trying a lot of different things, and you can see them. And it's out of frustration. You tie on a spoon, and all of a sudden you realize this is fun. People <laughs> say wintertime fishing, you don't catch big numbers. It can be slow. That's incorrect, man. If you if you can mark them and spoon them, you can run the numbers out. So what's happening at that time is usually – uh, late winter and early spring, the fish are really sitting in the bottom of channels. Now, they could be in a channel in the back of a creek. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're looking at Toledo Bend or, or Sam Raven, the back of a creek is as big as some reservoirs. So, yeah, they'll be in the back of the creek in the bottom of the channel, but they're mostly just following the bait around. Mm-hmm. And the key then, man, is you just use your electronics. You know, you can look for the bait, look for the fish. When you see the fish under them, you can just really set up the graft and drop straight down on them, you know couple of things to remember when you're going to do that in the wintertime if you're going to get your spoon is you're not doing it real erratic you know in the summertime you jerk it a lot harder you know if you see one you're trying to trigger in the winter don't get some of that stuff you see on the i don't know what them guys are going to look like they're having a seizure jerking that spoon in the wintertime don't man just you know you're only trying to snap it 10 to 12 inches off the bottom you know uh-huh. just enough to make it what that what it is it mimics those shad dying those big balls of shad that sit in the creek as they die off as the water temperature changes, a lot of them will die off and start to fall to the bottom, and you're just really duplicating that whole look. Mm. But don't ever underestimate just a simple jigging spoon in the wintertime for some great bass fishing. And so you just you drop it down and just let it hit the bottom and then crank it up a foot? Right. Like, I, like if I see them in there and they're right on the bottom, I'll drop it down, freeze pull it when it hits the bottom, kick it in gear, and I'll just work the bait up about. And sometimes I won't even snap it. I'll just pull it up all the way up, you know, maybe two foot off the bottom, and then let the slack fall in it, and then let it fall right back to the bottom. Really what you're trying to do is just get the fall over and over in front of the fish. It's not aggressive, and they just bite it. I mean, it's almost like it's too easy for them. Yeah. The key is watching it on your graphs. You know, you don't want to fish way below them. If you're, if you're sitting in 40 and the fish are 10 feet off the bottom, you don't want your spoon on the bottom. Sure. Watch your graph, watch your spoon, and when it gets down into the fish, stop it. 90% of the time in the wintertime, when they're schooled up like that, they don't like to go down and get the bait. You'd rather spoon above them as below them. Mm-hmm. Okay. They're more tempted to rise up and bite the bait than they are to go through. So if you if there's if the fish are ten feet off the bottom, and you let free spool right through them. You're probably not going to catch them. You so, got to get it back up there where they can see it. And so then at that point, once you've got it and where you think is in front of them, it's just more of a, a like a just lift your rod up and let the the bait yep, fall just back lift down. Lift the rod up. 
Uh-huh. Yeah, where if it's a spring or summer bite, you know, you're jerking a little bit more hard, letting it jerk up, let it free fall. You're just kind of raising it up, drifting mm-hmm. it back down, raising it up, drifting back down. And the bite's going to be, sometimes you don't even feel it. You're going to pick the rod back up and it's just hung. It's him. They just simply inhale the bait. You know, the water's so cold, they're not super aggressive. Some days, if it's real sunny and the fish are a little active in the winter, you'll feel them thump the bait. You know, it'll be falling. You'll you'll feel the thump in the line. You're like, oh, there's one. A lot of times, you'll just pick the rod up and they got it. Huh. Okay. And so, what uh, what size is your go-to? Obviously, you're going to match the spoon to the, to the size of the bait. But generally speaking, in our in our southern reservoirs, what are you going with? I like that. Uh, War Eagles always made a little jigging spoon that's a half ounce. So very small. It's not very big. When you talk about a half ounce spoon, it's not very big at all. Uh, it has a really good set of hooks on it. And, you know, to me, that's the best overall as far as getting the bites and locating the fish the fastest. Uh-huh. Uh, I've tried other weights, three quarters and all that, but you can't hardly beat just a standard half ounce spoon. You know, it matches pretty much every size shed you're going to have, thread thin, you know, whatever's down there. If there was gizzard shed, it'd be different, but. Most of the time when you're spooning, you're not spooning over gizzard sheds. Yeah. Okay. Right on. Well, uh, we certainly appreciate that that uh, little piece of expertise that you could share with us today. Uh, one other thing I wanted to uh, to hit on is the, uh, well, the big breakup in bass fishing, obviously. And we've talked about it a little bit with uh, folks like Brent Ayler, Kelly Jordan, Chris Lane all came on the show and we did kind of a round table. What are your thoughts on the future of the sport with uh, all of, but generally speaking, 90% you know, of the well-known anglers leaving the Elite Series and to a lesser degree MLF to, uh, or uh, uh, excuse me, the uh, FLW to form uh, Major League Fishing, uh, what is it, the uh, Bass Pro Tour? I think it was time, you know. There's nothing wrong with either league. i got nothing, nothing bad to say about bass. I think... The anglers knew if we were ever going to make a difference in the sport, it was now, now and never. Uh, simply uh, what the anglers wanted for years is to have more fishing on the show and less uh, commentating maybe or less, you know, graphics. You know, why not show the fishermen? It's just really hard to grow your brand when all that's edited out and, and, and it's never aired. So uh, MLF has provided that. They provide that style of uh, covering it. Uh, where there's just so much fishing going on. Uh, they had the money there. They had the support. They had the number one rated show on the Outdoor Channel for several years running as far as fishing shows. You know, you're fishing for almost $7 million in post money with no entry fee. Mm. It was almost a no-brainer, and I think the anglers knew, if we don't do this now, we're never going to change this sport. We're never going to force any organization, and you had to use the word force, but you're never going to make anybody up to any if somebody don't call somebody's boss. And mm-hmm. I think that's what the guys were ready to do. They were truly ready to try to make the sport better. Mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't near what people thought. All oh, those guys are trading out. You know, it's all about the money. Well, it kind of is. You know, none of us want to work for free. Yeah. And we want to fish for as much money as we can. But a lot of guys took in consideration it's about the money for the weekend series and everybody else that's trying to come up under that, that level of fishing or aspires to be me or Ike or whoever. This was something we had to do to, to pave that road because if we didn't, that, that, the, that window that people have to crawl through to make it to the top is going to shrink. Mm-hmm. There's just not enough money. And, and instantly bass 
reduced their entry fees, put more money in the payout. FLW stepped up and said, hey, no more no more co-anglers. So we are seeing that there was some success to some degree that we made a difference. And now it's up to the anglers with uh, not over 900 hours of airtime next year. Uh, main, you know, we're talking mainstream media of America. We're talking Discovery Channel during the week, uh, weeknights, two-hour show. Yeah. It's unheard of in bass fishing, so it's going to give us a chance to either, you know, we, we took a lot of burden. We're either going to uh, screw it up and make it the biggest it's ever been, but now we actually have the chance on the biggest stage we can have. Right on, man. When is the uh, when is the first tournament? We actually have our first tournament. Uh, it's going to be in two and a half weeks in Florida, and then from there we go to Conroe, and then from there we come back to uh, North Carolina. So we're we're getting it laid out there. They're going to start airing. I think they I think they've even moved up the airtime now to the third quarter. I think we were looking at fourth quarter. Now they're saying no, we want them to come together in the fourth in the third quarter. So hmm. it's a lot of exciting things coming. So is it a Florida tournament is that Okeechobee? It's going to be Toho, Toho, Kissimmee, Hatchin, all that whole area. Okay. Right on. Well, I'm very familiar with Conroe, obviously, and I imagine that time of year someone's going to pull out a monster sack out of that lake. I think that's what everybody's thinking. <laughs> you know, that, that something big could happen there, and it's exciting, you know, because it's it's not just a little fish tournament anymore. You know, yeah, every fish counts, but a 10-pounder counts 10 times as much. Yeah, yeah. I said monster sack. Every fish is weighed, so it's not it's not really a sack anymore. It's just a rolling scoreboard. Right. Which I think that's what people like, man, is because if you and I just go fishing, when we come in, nobody at the gas station ever says, hey, man, what's your best five way, G? Yeah. Say, Did you catch them? Did you catch them? So yeah. that's what this tournament, this whole series is going to be simply about. Yeah. Well, right on. Well, hey, Gerald, we wish you a great inaugural season in the uh, the new tournament trail, Major League Fishing Bass Pro Tour. And uh, we'll have to get you back on before next deer season and talk about some of the stuff you're doing to uh, improve your, your whitetail herd. And hopefully, hopefully no, no more camo confessions at the end of next season. Yeah. Yeah. I want only good reports. (laughs) Only good reports. Thanks for having me on, man. Anytime you guys want to, want to talk fishing and talk hunting, like I said, just give me a call. When I'm out of the tree stand, you know, I'm kind of hard to reach till I hit the ground, but once I'm out, man, I'd love to catch up on some hunting next year. All right, brother. Well, Hey, we appreciate it. All right, man. Have a good one. Two-time BASS Elite Series Angler of the Year, Gerald Swindle, now fishing on the MLF, Major League Fishing, Bass Pro Tour. Uh, Great stuff with Gerald. That segment of the presentation proudly brought to you by Pulsar Night Vision and Thermal Imaging Technology. Check out the new Pulsar Thermion. You haven't seen it yet because it just released at SHOT Show this week. It's the Thermion Rifle Scope. Actually fits any 30 millimeter tube, a vastly different uh, design than most of the thermal rifle scopes out there. It's the Thermion, brand new from Pulsar, and you can check it out at PulsarNV.com. Up next, and uh, this comes on the heels of many of you asking me to do a segment on setting up a bow. And while I'm not a bow tech, and quite frankly, that's out of my pay grade, our next guest is... He's a longtime friend of the show, and we will get into all things archery, how to choose the right bow for you. That's next with Corbin Williams of Corbin's Archery, right here on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. My father had a Randall knife. My mother gave it to him. 
When he went off to World War II To save us all from ruin Now if you've ever held a Randall knife You know my father well all right, waterfowl junkies, the finisher is the quick and humane way to dispatch a duck or goose. It's uh, you know, it's unsettling when you've wrung that bird's neck, you throw it in the pile, and 10 minutes later, he's laying there flopping. Uh-uh, we don't want that. That's not ethical. And so the finisher alleviates that. You stick the finisher in the back of the bird's skull at an upward angle, give it a little twist, boom, dead instantly, never felt the thing. The finisher is only 14 bucks. It fits on any waterfowling lanyard, and you can find it at adrenal-line.com. Hey, hey, all you waterfowl junkies out there. Cable here for TX Duck Blinds, highly durable and highly mobile customized duck blinds built by duck hunters for duck hunters. Each blind is built from solid steel by professional welders and field tested before shipment. A duck season will come and go, but guess what? Your TX Duck Blind is built to last. Customize yours today by calling 817 965 1306. You can also find them at texasduckblinds.com or check them out on Instagram and Facebook at TX Duck Blinds. Was I alone or in a hunter's dream? Cause the moment of truth was here and now. I felt his touch, I felt his guiding hand. Was mine forevermore because of Fred Bear. Loved or hated, but never ignored. That is Uncle Ted Nugent's Fred Bear bringing us back on the Lone Star Outdoors show powered by Dallas Safari Club. I'm Cable Smith. Thanks to Lone Star Beer and Hoff Power Polaris as well. Um, man, it's been a minute since we've had Uncle Ted on the show. You know, I guess I've been doing this nine plus years now. And I admit, uh, Ted was probably one of the first big-time celebrities we had on the show. And I was probably a little starstruck at the time and asked Ted one question, and then I never got to say another word for the whole hour. <laughs> but I have things to say these days. So, you know, maybe if I ever uh, get sick and lose my voice, that'd be a good time to invite Ted back on the show. But I do love Ted, although he is uh, very abrasive. I think that we need that extreme to counteract what's going on uh, on the other side these days. So anyway, um, the reason why I played that song is because we're about to talk some bow hunting. And we'll do that with Corbin Williams of Corbin's Archery here in just a second. But first, this segment is brought to you by First Light. And one of my favorite pieces from First Light is the Uncompagre Jacket. Obviously, it's uh, it's perfect for early mornings, late evenings in the backcountry, you know, from early September archery elk through those late season hunts as well. Uh, but down here in the Lone Star State, I've been wearing it duck hunting this year. That's uh, absolutely perfect for that scenario as well. And, uh, oh, it also doubles as a pillow in the backcountry. Forgot to mention that. Wad that thing up. No need to take a pillow with you. It's the Uncompagre jacket. You can find it at firstlight.com. First Light, go further. Stay longer. Let's bring on our next guest. He is a longtime friend of the show. I've been using his bowstrings for, goodness gracious, four or five years now. It is my pleasure to welcome Corbin Williams of Corbin's Archery to the show. Man, I'm glad to be on with you. I haven't talked to you in a while. <laughs> yeah, no doubt about it. How uh, How's your hunting season been? Well, it's been a blast and a half. You know, Amy shot her first 
deer ever this year in the frost antelope. So this season has been phenomenal from that standpoint. We spent a lot of time in the field together, and it's been a rush, to say the least. Right on. Not that season yet. And did you make it up to uh, – I know you've been trying to get me to come up to the Midwest with you. Um, I don't know. Is it Kansas or Nebraska that you hunt? Kansas, man. You need to get up to Kansas with for sure. <laughs> I keep seeing these massive deer coming out of Kansas, dude. I, I <laughs> yeah, this year um, I have not made it. I got a mule deer place out here in West Texas, uh-huh. and we got it in MLB. So I've been hunting since September um, for mule deer. Wow. And for some reason I was – an idiot and then make it up to Kansas this year, um, which I have promised I will again this next year. You know, I like mule deer. I guess my invite got lost. I moved recently. It must have gotten lost in the mail. So. You know what? I'm pretty sure I did invite you. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to do it one of these days. We're going to yeah, make it happen. Get on out here. Well, so you had a good season. Um, good season. That's wonderful. Spending time with the wife is uh, always a plus. I can't get mine to actually. Actually, she did shoot a jackrabbit this summer, so that was. Uh, we did a little spotlighting for varmints, and that was the first thing she's ever killed. So we're making progress. That's great, though. Yeah. Small yeah. steps. <laughs> well, hey, what I want to discuss today is how to properly get your bow set up. I've had a lot of people ask. I'll be honest with you. I don't set my own bows up. You know, I know how to tinker with them, adjust the, the sight and the pins and, and that stuff. But generally speaking, I have a professional tune my bow first time, and then uh, I just kind of run with it from there. So I'm not one of those guys who has a bow press in the garage and, you know, spending hours and hours tinkering with it. I respect those guys, uh, but I just it's kind of like reloading to me. You know, I just don't have the time. There are people out there who are much better at it than me, so I'll let them do it. And you're one of those guys, yeah. so I figured uh, we'd visit today on such topics as, uh, you know, choosing the right bow, um, draw length, choosing the right arrow to match the bow that you've selected, all that kind of stuff and a whole lot more. Let's start with this. How to choose the right bow. How do you know? I mean, people ask me all the time, hey, what's a great bow for me? And, of course, I push a lead on them because uh, that's what I've been shooting forever. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Start there. How do you choose the right bow for you? And that's a very broad question, um, but I'll have you whittle it down for us. Okay. If, don't don't let me geek out on you because I do kind of nerd out on bows. <laughs> it is my thing. I, I love to set up a lot of it. From step one, but in choosing the right bow, if anybody that comes to me or talks to me, the first thing I'm going to tell them is, you know, grab that elite over there and shoot it and tell me what you think about it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, you know, elites, elites, a lot of guys like their back wall, the way they feel, the new rituals are stinking fast. Um, and so some guys have things that they like once they shoot through the bows. Um, let's say I have a beginner that comes in, they're going to shoot. I, I recommend shooting every bow. Even mm-hmm. if you know the one you like, go ahead and shoot the models that the shops have or or whatever else. Like if you're buying a used bow, you know, at least shoot that bow before buying it type thing. Make sure it fits your hand. How does the vibration feel like? What does the noise feel like? And be comfortable. Does it feel weird on the drawback? Are you going to be able to sit in that deer blind or in, in you know, um, in New Mexico in the dark timber on an elk and be able to draw back smoothly with it? Is it something that feels good in your hand? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm all about the feel of the bow to you. Um, we have guys that'll I mean, it's like, I want this bow. Well, then they shoot me in and they leave with a completely different bow because it felt better. I'm all about the feel. Um, and I always tell everybody, choosing the right bow, it needs to fit in your budget. Pick a bow that fits in your budget. Um, that feels good to you. 
So well, that's so, how I recommend those. <laughs> perfect, perfect. Let me ask you this. So you've got uh, a kid, you know, your parent and your child has taken an interest to archery, and you don't want to go drop $1,000. No. Um, what is a good entry-level bow for, let's say, like a you know a junior, a 12 to 13-year-old that wants to hunt for the first time with a bow and arrow? Depending on their half and their size and their draw length, there are a million bows out right now that are going to cost you, you know, three hundred dollars uh-huh. and be decked out. And you can go even cheaper. Um, my two-year-old shoots a Cruiser Light, a Bear Cruiser Light, because um, it goes at his draw length and weight. He's, I guess he'll be three here pretty soon, but he can shoot five yards with it. Um, no peep sight, no sight, just shoots kind of like you do a recurve. Uh-huh. Um, but for a 12, 13-year-old, I am a big fan of the missions and the Bowtex that fit that range. Okay. Uh, mainly because they have that price range. I mean, a lot of bow companies don't have – some of their kids' bows are $1,000. Yeah. Like you said. They're, they're going to outgrow it in a couple of years. Yes. And so the missions and the diamonds and a lot of them, even the bears, there's some that go from um, – the new Bowtex, we're just going to go from 8 to like 80 pounds, 70 pounds. And the draw link's crazy. Um, uh-huh. You know, wow. and Elite's got the Spirit, or not, it used to be the Spirit. Um, but I'm going blank on the new one. But just whatever that is, just something that will grow with them. Like, but I'm a bow in junior high that'll last through high school, and you don't have to worry about it. Mm-hmm. And they will shoot it and have fun with it. But on that same topic, we're talking about a good bow there. One thing that we always do with youth is I tell parents, let me drop that bow down really low in poundage so they can draw it easy. I do not want any struggle. I want it to be easy and for them to have fun with it. And we shoot balloons. We don't shoot dots. Okay. You mentioned Mission. That was the first bow that I ever I ever bought when I uh, first got into archery long before um, we were doing this on the radio. <laughs> um, and that was because it was financially what I could afford, you know? It was like right, right. 400 bucks. And I think I got the whole thing set up for like another – couple hundred and was ready to rock and roll oh yeah you can get them decked out and the adjustability on them's crazy mm-hmm. i mean and that's what we look for in kids both and even beginner even adults beginning and they can actually you know for us guys we walk in there and buy some something and hopefully ask for forgiveness from the wife later and you stay in that lower price range on a good shooting bow and you're okay yeah <laughs> that's exactly right hey you can still sleep in the bed that night uh, well, so what are some errors that you see people make uh, when they maybe they buy the bow without doing all of these things that we've just talked about? They don't um, they don't go to a bow shop. They buy they just buy a used one online. And say, hey, this sounds great. It's cheap, and then they bring it to you, and you're like, ah, okay, we're gonna have to fix some stuff here. Okay, so the biggest thing we see is draw lengths. Um, I'm not gonna get too technical on it, but draw lengths that are too long. And that easily happens when you buy a bow online that you haven't shot. Yes. Exactly. And they're too long and they come back across the face really far mm-hmm. and it's putting the hand behind the head and all that form makes a big difference. That's the biggest mistake we see is draw length being too long, period. Okay. It's, and it's not fun to have, tell a guy, I know you just bought that used bow, but like now we're going to have to do all this work to it. It's going to take us two and a half hours. Let's get you fixed up right and out the door so you can shoot it better now. Yeah. Well, and a perfectly tuned bow is fine and dandy, but that doesn't amount to hill of beans if you're, you know, pulling the wrong draw length. Exactly. It ruins everything that you've you've set up. Okay, so that is mistake numero uno, Corbin. Let's uh, let's table this discussion, take a quick break, come back, 
and get into, you know, once you've selected the right bow, how to match the appropriate arrows to your weapon. Are you cool to stick around for a few more minutes? I am cool to stick around for a few more minutes. Perfect. That segment was brought to you by Sendero Seed Company, Texas premier seed company, offering anything and everything you need to keep a happy and healthy whitetail herd, including the Dr. Deer-backed Buck Forage Oats. Check them out, Sendero Seed Company, for all your planting needs. We'll be right back with more from our good friend, Corbin Williams of Corbin's Archery. You're listening to the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Pike County, Illinois, and the surrounding area is hallowed ground for whitetail hunters. And with 21 years' experience, Golden Triangle Whitetails is the oldest outfitter in the state. Spread out over 14,000 acres, they have 350 acres of food plots, 500 tree stands, and over 80 box blinds. The guides take pride in having hunters harvest giant Midwest bucks. Golden Triangle Whitetail hunts the Illinois archery, shotgun, and muzzleloader season. They have a full-time chef and excellent lodging. Book your whitetail hunt of a lifetime by going to www.goldentrianglewhitetail.com today. This is Randy Newberg from On Your Own Adventures. Thanks for listening to the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Bela Fleck and the Fleck Tones, Big Country. And uh, that one that one has a lot of sentimental meaning for me because the first time I ever, my, the first time my voice was ever heard on the radio was back at uh, KNUT at North Texas. And I was a DJ on the jazz station there, the, the campus radio station. I was getting college credit, obviously, <laughs> being enrolled in the radio, TV, film school. Uh, but the the uh, station manager came in one day, and he uh, and this is a jazz station, and obviously that song doesn't really sound a lot like jazz. It sounds more like uh, instrumental country to me. So I found something that I liked amidst all this other. I'm not saying it's crap because jazz music. Um, it's nice. It's relaxing. It's not my cup of tea, though. And, uh, and so I played that Bela Fleck song uh, every shift, <laughs> three shifts a week. And my boss would come in, uh, the station manager, and he told me, Cable, if you play that CD, if you play anything off Bela Fleck's record, one more time I'm going to take it and throw it in the trash. What do you think I did? <laughs> played it the next, the next shift, and, uh, and then the record was gone. So anyway... Uh, love that tune there. I'm Cable Smith, by the way. Thank you for being a part of the Lone Star Outdoors show today. Uh, thanks to our presenting sponsors, Lone Star Beer and Hoff Power Polaris. And thanks to our title sponsor, Dallas Safari Club. It was great seeing all of you guys and gals out at the DSC show last weekend. Magambo, our biggest and best Dallas Safari Club convention to date. I don't know how many people came through the doors, but it was packed. Saturday, you couldn't even move. Aaron brought the kids out there. It was ridiculous. They usually come on Sunday uh, just because of the lighter crowd, uh, but Henry had a soccer game, and so they all, they all came out. Uh, Aaron, Henry, and the twins came out on Saturday, and she was like, I'm never doing Saturday again. <laughs> I couldn't blame her. 
So sucks for her, but a wonderful thing for Dallas Safari Club, and it truly was uh, an awesome event. So thanks for coming out. Thanks to all of y'all who said hi. Uh, and if you want to be a part of DSC, just go to the website, biggame.org. For more information, we would certainly love to have you. Um, all right, well, let's jump back into it here with our buddy Corbin Williams of Corbin's Archery. I've uh, been using his bowstrings uh, religiously now for uh, – it's been four or five years. I can't even keep track. But every time I get a new elite bow, um, Corbin sends me a set of strings and, you know, customizes them however I want. Uh, and so without further ado, we've got some more stuff to get into here. So, Corbin, once I've, you know, gone to Corbin's Archery, if you live out west or, you know, like myself uh, in the North Texas area, I've gone to Cinnamon Creek Ranch, picked out the right bow for me. At that point, how do I select the right arrow? Because there is a science to it, and I think it's a, a lot easier today um, to make that choice, to pick the right arrow, than it ever has been. There is a lot of science, and there's a lot of formulas um, out there, which I'll send those over to you. You can post them up. Um, but there's some spines. Now, spine is the flex of the deflection kind of the arrow, how much movement it's going to have when the energy enters it from the bow. And so basically I like to tell people to take a, take like maybe a little stick and bend it a little bit or even your arrow. And we want just enough flex in that arrow when the energy hits it that it's going to straighten out and stabilize by the time it gets to our target. Too okay. much flex and wobble, it's not going to correct itself and it's not going to be as accurate. And in too stiff, it's not going to have enough forgiveness. And so out here where we are, our guys shoot... I mean, we set up a bow the other day, and I think he's targeted in. He's sighted into 130-something yards. Oh, wow. And even at 20 yards, though, those arrows make a difference. So the first thing we do is we take the, you take your draw length and your poundage. And there's a few formulas out there. I know um, oh, all the arrow companies out there have it on their website, even if you're just looking. And you can go on there, and you can put in your bow information, your draw length and your weight, and what type of cams you have. The majority of cams right now are going to be a faster, harder cam. Used to, we had all those single cam bows, but we're, most companies are moving now into a faster speed type cam. It puts a lot of energy initially into that arrow. Mm -hmm. And so you have, you go, you go a little bit stiffer spine on those. But on those websites, you can look and find an arrow that when it's cut to the length, so let's say you have a 29 inch draw length and we cut your arrows to 29 and a half inches. Well, you can go on there and you can plug that in and you can find the arrow that hits the right spine for you. It's pretty simple nowadays. Um, even on the box of the arrows, it's going to say it, but actually pay attention to it. And a mistake I see happen is guys are going to come in, they're going to pick an arrow, and they're going to pick it based on the weight, not on the spine. So, you know, on the side, um, I saw one day, I think you were shooting gold tip 100 XTs or something. Mm -hmm. You know, it may say like 8.9 grains per inch. Yeah. Well, I may think, okay, well, let's make my bow faster. Well, that's a 400 spine, and it's going to flex too much because I'm at a 70-pound draw 29 inches. I need the 300. Um, so it's not, I'm, gonna, I'm trying, trying not to get too technical on you, but. You no, know, I think it's good. You know? Yeah, uh -huh. look at the boxes there and pick the one that fits it. Because as you cut an arrow down, let's say the majority of arrows come uncut at 30 inches or 31 inches. We're going to cut a few inches on them, down on them, to fit our draw length, and that stiffens the spine. And so as you get shorter and as you add weight in certain areas, weight to the rear of the arrow is going to add, um, is going to increase the spine. Weight to the front is going to decrease it. And so 
right now as we're picking those spines, we, we start with the right spine that's going to fit without adding any of that weight to it. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, um, on that 29, 70 inch bow on like, even on your ritual or something like that, I'm going to go with 300 spine. Yeah. Which is going to give us a good solid arrow spine wise. And then I'm going to weigh it with the veins on it and all that and, and get a good weight for me. That's, um, we'll plug it in that there's a kinetic energy formula. You can go into who, uh, any arrow company's website and plug your, your, your weight in and your poundage and it'll tell your kinetic energy. Hmm. Um, but that's really important. It's it's good to play with it because like we had a guy the other day that was telling me, well, I'm going to shoot an 800 grade arrow. Okay, well, how are we going to get there? Well, if we add weight to the front of the arrow, again, it weakens the spine. And so you have to stiffen up your spine so it's going to fly right up your out of your bow. Um, and so it, it starts to get super technical, but for just anybody that's messing with it, start with the box, get the right one that it says for your arrow length and your and your bow weight. Right. And that should give you an excellent starting point. You want to know how technical I was when I got that first uh, mission? <laughs> I said, how all right, I'm a, I'm a bow hunter now. Uh, my brother's like, what do you want for Christmas? I was like, how about some arrows? He's like, okay. <laughs> he just went and bought me some arrows. <laughs> and then I started yeah. shooting them. I no, paid no attention whatsoever to if they even fit the bow or what weight. I couldn't even tell you what weight they were, to be honest with you. I had no idea. Right. And uh, don't do that is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> and you know it's it's hard not to because we're so impulsive when we do those things. And guys like me nerd out of it. And once you get into it, um, I know a guy's a lot of guys are doing this with their bullets too. You know, they I'm not that guy. I don't know enough about it. But I called my buddy. I'm like, hey, what should I be shooting through Amy's? Uh, you know, we got that Horizon firearm. Mm-hmm. I called him like, hey, what should I be shooting through this? And he tells me exactly what flies the best. Um, even if you're doing it on your own, give a shout to somebody that may know mm-hmm. and, and walk you through the process because it's all learning for all of us. Oh, absolutely. I know infinitely more about it now than I did all the, I guess I've been at it about oh, a dozen years or so. And yeah. uh, you learn the things that you shouldn't do, like just go randomly get some arrows and start shooting them and think that you're going to yeah. have success. It leads to frustration, you know, inconsistency and frustration, especially out past 20 yards. I mean, everyone can hit the target at 20 yards, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. once you start shooting a little farther out, uh, that's where, like, God, these arrows are just not doing what they're supposed to. Maybe it's me. Maybe it's my form. You start second-guessing yourself. So uh, the, the point is to make sure you have the, the right equipment that matches together perfectly. And, um, you know, it's right there on the box. It's, it's easy enough. And you don't have to nerd out. Uh, like, I know a lot of people do. They're gearheads like yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Uh, the average layman can can get set up pretty easily these days. Exactly. Um, what about cam timing? Okay. Again, you know, we switched and most people are shooting a dual cam or hybrid cam type thing and type bow. And when it comes to that, you want them to be in rotation at the exact same time. And um, again, I'm going to reference some stuff that we've done before. I set my buddy's bow and I had him man i kept getting this vibration in my bow Hmm. and so when we look at it his top cam was i mean a fraction hitting his string or his on the elites is going to be your limb Mm -hmm. um going to be hitting a little bit faster than his bottom cam and it's just like anything if you have a wobble in your car and your, your one of your tires is um out of balance it starts to wobble the whole car you want both those cams in sync and so 
I see a lot of guys that are going to be drawing back and having their buddy check it. What you need to do is have a draw, uh, something that can draw your bow back safely, and you can do the one-two clicks and watch it. They're not expensive. They're out there. Um, if you're going to be doing it in your, your shop, um, that's the way to do it. Your own house, that's the way to check it. And it needs to be perfect, not sort of. It needs to be perfect. They need to be hitting the exact same direction, mm-hmm. the exact same time. And that's where we'd start to geek out on there, so I'll save you that. But um, Oh, yeah. I got a flat tire last week and put the spare on there and, and drove it up to discount tire. And the truck was, like, wobbling all over the place with the spare on. It just wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't um, fluid and then lost all the integrity of having four tires that are all the same, just like you have the, uh, you know, two cams that need to be perfectly in tune. Exactly. Um, let's talk about strings because obviously you guys make custom strings. I've got them on all my bows. Um, talk a little bit about choosing the right string and what makes a custom set better than, you know, what you're just going to get from the factory. Um, well, that's, that's another hard thing too, but when it comes to custom strings, um, a lot of times you are getting a string set that has had time to stretch, which is very important when you've been hearing it. We've heard it for 20, 30 years about how important it is to have strings that are pre-stretched. And you can imagine in large factories when they're producing strings um, for bows, a lot of times, you know, in the mass production side of things, they're, 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 they're twisting and they're serving and they're under like 100 pounds of tension and they're throwing them on a bow. Well, that material hasn't had time to settle. So first of all, you're going to get peep rotation. And under that little bit of tension and the strings under, the serving's not getting as tight. Like I've seen stock bows have serving that will slide with your hands. Um, and when that serving moves, it means that your cams are going to start cutting into the string material, which gives you a bow explosion type thing. Um, when we go custom, you're going to be looking at high, high tension um, on the strings and then high, high serving. And so as that string is very, very small, when you serve it tight, it expands out as it relaxes and it basically sticks that um, serving into the string material. And the majority of custom guys out there, we're going to be running material called Halo for serving it, it goes on so tight it's like plastic hmm. like um you rub your thumb or thumbnail and you hear it, it's that tight and it's like hard and it, it gives you a smoother smoother um cam rotation and it gives you less contact with the grooves in the cam so machining guys out there don't know the tolerances well we run a smaller tolerance than a lot of um stock strings which gives you less likelihood of um string separation Okay. And then warranties. And then warranties, you know, um, like us. I mean, our warranty is like pretty much unconditional against anything that we could have done to the string. Like, if you have issues with it within a year, we take care of it, period. Right on. And, I mean, it, this is kind of uh, just an aesthetic thing, but who doesn't like to pick their own color pattern? You know, always look. Yes. Match it with the, the finish on your bow. And um, I, I always like to – I like to choose, like, the bright orange ones and makes it pop. Those are and, bright. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. Which you guys? I mean, have... there's five Sorry, there's five thousand color combinations. Right, five thousand. Yeah, it's insane, insane. Yeah, nuts. Um, what about choosing the right site? And uh, and I'll tell you. Okay. This, I mean, there's a lot of science that goes into that. You see these ones that have an arc now, and and I like it because I'm, like I said, not a gearhead. Uh, I like the ones where you just set the two pins on an arc, and then all the other ones fall into line. Um, that's yes. what I've got on there, which I think is it's like a trophy ridge react, which I have on yep. all my bows. But uh, that, that's maybe not the right thing for someone else. So a lot of guys shoot a one pin sight. 
Um, <clears throat> I don't know. Yeah, what? we're seeing a lot of switch away from one pins uh-huh. after guys have hunted with them. Um, I know there's a big push in some of the celebrity world for people to push them, but in reality, when you get in that situation and you're having to rover that pin, if you do not shoot all the time, you're second-guessing yourself before you shoot. And so in our shop, we want you to pick what you want, but at the same time, we kind of relate it to what you're going to be doing. Out west, um, these guys are shooting launching arrows. We want a movable sight. So, you know, um, our favorite sight in the shop right now um, is a five-pin with a rover. And so you have your 20, 30, 40, 50, and 60 all sighted in, mm-hmm. okay? And then your bottom pin becomes your rover, so you can go from 50 out to, depending on the speed of your bow, you know, to 134 yards if you want to. Mm. And so, but most of your elk wood, you know, your, your elk are within 60 yards. You can put all your pins on the vitals if it's a broadside shot and you're good. You don't and have so, to worry about it, but let's say he goes to 80, you can rover it. Perfect. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Who makes that? Um, that's black gold, um, makes that site, but you know, trophy Ridge just released one that does the same thing. Okay. Right on. Very cool. And, uh, and are those set on an arc too, or you set just two of the pins or no, no? they're, they're not, they, they, they go on the speed, but yes, you, you do chrono them and you get your sight tape off. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people, you know, sight tape goes on the side of your bow. That's, that's really, really accurate to the speed of your bow. Okay, cool. Good so insight there. They're always pushing the envelope. I mean, when they first came out with those here, set set two out of the five pins and you're good to go. I mean, for me, I was like salivating. Just like, was like, are you serious? I don't have to mess with all of them. <laughs> and I, you know the 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 React uh, the React five pins. I bet you we could go through a few hundred of those a year. Uh-huh. We sought you in twenty and thirty, and then like and the old men, they don't believe it. The old, our older guys, they come in, and I'm not bashing them, but just they haven't seen that technology yet. I didn't believe it either. I don't blame them one bit. It's like no. Know, <laughs> And we go out there, you know, we we raise the door up and we go shoot at 60, and they're like, oh, my gosh, I just hit a target at 60 yards, and I have to move anything. Yeah. No, you didn't. It was crazy easy. Yeah. Math, man, math. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's been pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, right on. Well, I think that pretty much covers everything I wanted to get into today. Support your local archery shops, whether it's uh, Corbin's, if you're out west. Where is the Where is your headquarters? Man, we are in Seminole, Texas. <laughs> We'll put we'll put that on a map for us. I have I don't even know where that is. For you, so we are going to be 60 miles north of Midland, Odessa. Uh huh. And we're gonna be 80 miles south of Lubbock, right in the center between the two. And then we're 20 miles from the New Mexico border, Hobbs, New Mexico. We're 20 miles from there. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. And so, the uh, largest Matthews dealer anywhere within uh, like six and a half hours. About six and a half hours. Yes, sir. Awesome. Well, business has been good. How long have you guys had the shop going? Oh man, I've been we well, I've been selling bows since we did that, since we started string the string company. So since two thousand eight, uh-huh. we've been rocking. Yes, sir. Right on, right on. And what uh, do you have a full lineup? Do you carry every brand? We carry um, every brand, um, actually every brand on the market. Perfect, man. So something for everybody, from beginners to the most experienced um, archer. Certainly enjoy it. If you want to give us the website, Corbin. Yeah, it's corbinsarchery.com, K-O-R-B-I-N-S, archery.com. You want to do a string giveaway? I'll put you on the spot again. Dude, let's give away five sets. Five sets? Okay. All right. So uh, that'll be our giveaway for this week. We'll do. We'll give away three to uh, podcast and radio listeners, and then we'll give away two on social media. How does that sound? Sounds like a plan, man. I appreciate you bringing me on. Absolutely. So here's how you guys win. Uh, it's that easy. All you need to do is email the word 
Corbin's, that's Corbin's, to uh, Lone Star Outdoor Show at gmail.com. We'll get everybody into a pool, and then we'll pick three winners that can uh, customize their own set of strings. Enjoyed it. Thanks again. And I'm going to take you up on uh, on that trip out west next year. You you better. I mean, seriously, <laughs> you better. All right. It's official now. Everyone's heard it. We're doing it. All right. Let's do it. All right, man. Hey, thanks again, Corbin. Appreciate you. There he goes, our good friend Corbin Williams of Corbin's Archery. Five sets of bowstrings. How about that? I think those are like 100 bucks a pop. Very generous of Corbin. That segment of the show brought to you by Lone Star Ag Credit. You know, land's the one thing they're not making any more of. We all want it, though, right? That's the dream anyway. Uh, but they can help you make that dream a reality. They've been doing it for over 100 years. So if you're ready to take the next step, make that plunge, well, you know what to do. Give Lone Star Ag Credit a call. And actually, coming up after the break, we'll be joined by Lone Star Ag Credit's Macy Blankenship for our annual discussion on land acquisition. You know, whether you want it for hunting, um, fishing, just to get the hell out of the big city, or, hey, maybe you fancy yourself as a rancher. You want to run cattle. It doesn't matter. Lone Star Ag Credit has got you covered, and uh, we'll get into it next with Macy Blankenship. You're listening to the Lone Star Outdoor Show. One fall on the stool is what I heard the bartender say. I never thought my own life would ever turn out this way. Green snakes on the ceiling, walking walls I can see. Howdy folks, I'm Lee Hoffair for Hoffair's Outdoor Superstore in Gulfway, Texas. I hope you're enjoying the Lone Star Outdoor Show. We've been a title sponsor for a number of years now, and we're proud to be a part of it. I'd also like to thank you for making Hoffair's once again the number one Polaris dealer in Texas. In the market for a compact track loader, then check out the Bobcat Advantage, where Bobcat track loaders squared off against other brands in a variety of tests and challenges. Whether you're looking for performance advantages, uptime protection, or quality design, Bobcat compact track loaders are the best-built machines in the industry. But don't take our word for it. Watch the videos at BobcatAdvantage.com or see Bobcat machines in person at Bobcat of Dallas and Louisville, Fort Worth, Cedar Hill, Longview, and now McKinney. Visit BobcatofDallas.com or call 469-586-0000. I'm Craig Boddington. I'd like to invite you to become a member of Dallas Safari Club, one of the world's leading hunting and conservation organizations. As a member, you'll receive Game Trails magazine, a monthly newsletter, and invitations to our monthly meetings and special activities. Join Dallas Safari Club, an international organization based in Dallas, supporting hunting and conservation worldwide. For more information, call 800 9 Go hunt or visit our website at www.biggame.org. Things are fixing to get real good in the honky tonks. You know I am understood. Been to the school of hard knocks and hard wood, and things are fixing to get real good. Yeah, they there's a little Double D, Daryl Dodd, bringing us back on the Lone Star Outdoors Show. Cable Smith, riding shotgun with you today. Thanks for being here. As Man, we are rocking and rolling. All set to talk some land acquisition. That is a long-term dream of mine. It might be uh, something that you know, many of you might already have your own place. Uh, if you do, more power to you. I'm insanely jealous. And invite me to come hunting. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, uh, that is certainly a, a goal for me at some point in my life. I'd love to have a place to call, you know, my own. 
and not have to be at the mercy of leasing land. And not that there's anything wrong. I appreciate all the landowners out there who are willing to uh, lease hunters their property, but uh, I want my own place, right? Doesn't everyone? Um, Anyway, this segment of the show is brought to you by Rudy's True Texas-style barbecue, where you can stop in for breakfast, lunch, or dinner, grab yourself a cold Lone Star beer, and sit down and enjoy a heaping pile of Rudy's True Texas-style barbecue. Let's go ahead and uh, jump into our next conversation Actually stopped by the Lone Star Ag Credit booth out at Dallas Safari Club last weekend. Sat down with Macy Blankenship, who's been with Lone Star Ag Credit for quite some time. And we talked a little bit about the history of Lone Star Ag Credit and how they can help you finance your own place to grow those big bucks. Uh, So without further ado, uh, here it is. Our conversation with uh, Credit Office President Macy Blankenship of Lampasas, Texas. Well, Macy, welcome to the show. It's great to visit with you. Thanks, Cable, for having me. Absolutely. So we are out here at DSC 2019, and um, we're at the Lone Star Ag Credit booth. And Lone Star Ag Credit has been a big part of our show for, I think, uh, man, five or six years now. So how long have you been with Lone Star Ag Credit? I have been in the Lampasas Credit Office for almost 16 years. Wow. Okay. So a while. Uh, but that's a drop in the bucket as far as the history of Lone Star Ag Credit because it's been around for over 100 years. That's correct. Yeah. You live in, and I'm jealous, because for what I want to do, which is go hunting all the time, the hill country would be like where I want to live. But I got these three little rugrats that live with me, you know, both sets of grandparents, aunts, uncles, everybody's in North Texas. So if I want to keep hunting as much as I do, i got to stay here. <laughs> I got you. Yep, it's what pays the bills, right? Yeah. But uh, we were talking about uh, one part of land passes, um, which has recently been bought up. Uh, yes. And it's actually an old ranch. I don't remember the name of it. Uh, but the landowner is trying to reconnect this old property and make it contiguous once again. That's correct. So the Goodrich Ranch was one of the biggest ranches in Texas, and there's been a bar or a, a new land um, developer that's come in and 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 put that ranch. He's starting to put it back together, mm-hmm. and it's one thing as a lender that we like to see happen. Um, but that's one. I mean, the history on that ranch is vast, and and the family is still actually in in our part of the world. So it's it's a pretty neat thing to see. Yeah, and they've got like a deer breeding operation. I think it's Lone Hollow Whitetail. Long Hollow Whitetails, yeah. that's correct. Huge deer breeding facility. It's really neat to see them. They are going to high fence all of that ranch and um, all the development and everything and all the good stuff that's going to bring to our to our area. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it was, I was down there in Lampasas for the Hoffpower Polaris Expo last year. Yes. One of my friends, her husband used to be the foreman on the ranch. Ah. So she was like, hey, you want to come see the beautiful property? You know, we got the river, caught with the Colorado River. Colorado River it. runs through it. The Lake Buchanan, you can actually, they've got lakefront right there uh, as well. And I, it's not developed. I mean, that's the cool thing. No. It's just pristine. Yes. And we're driving, anyway, we're driving around on the ATV, and here's freaking Audad just pops out. Yes, and on those bluffs. Oh, my gosh. I was like, yeah, if I could live somewhere else, it'd be, it'd be it's right here. It's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. So you've been with Lone Star Ag Credit for quite some time. Uh, let's talk a little bit about some of the things that you guys offer. So talk a little bit about the history of Lone Star Ag Credit okay. and why 
our listeners should be, you know, aware of what you guys have to offer. So, you know, we're a co-op. Mm-hmm. We give back a dividend refund to our customer. That's a big sale for us. Um, we pride ourselves on customer service. I'm, I'm big. I, I like for my customers to realize that once we, once they take out the loan in, in our office, that that paper stays with us, and we pride ourselves on that service. So once they, once I make the loan, they're dealing with me through the duration of the process, uh-huh. and until that loan pays off. Okay. Um, like I said, I've been in that office for 16 years. I've had customers come and go, but um, you know, lots of repeat business, which is a great thing for us. That's what that's what keeps our doors open is word of mouth. And so, does it matter if? For me personally, you know, uh, unless I win the lottery, if I do buy some property someday, which is the goal, it's going to be small, you know, uh, maybe 100 acres. That would be perfect. But what are the average size loans that you guys make as far as the property size? Is there anything too big, too small? There's not. What if I, I want 10 acres? Perfect. I, I tell my customers, as long as that property is outside the city limits, I like to keep it, you know, in that five acre above box mm-hmm. to keep our scope you know, in line, um, but, you know, as, lo- as long as we can call it a farm, a small farm or ranch, we're, we're all in. Okay. What about if I've got a brother, I'm just throwing this scenario out there, and I want to, you know, we're not getting along, and I want to buy him out of the property. We can do that. So I come to you for advice on something. Like family, this is how most ranches get broken up, really. Like somebody dies, they leave it to one brother who or sister, whoever, who's really interested in the family history, the other guy's moved off, and he doesn't give a crap about it at all. And now you've got these two siblings that are squabbling over the property. One wants to sell it. One wants to keep it. Mm-hmm. I imagine you guys see quite a bit of that. We do. We do. Where siblings want to sell their interest, uh-huh. um, typically it's, it's usually in a scenario where the parents didn't divide the property, and it's undivided interest across the board, so they're fussing and fighting, trying to figure out who's going to get what. Um, we do that a lot. Uh-huh. You know, terms on on something like that we have up to we offer up to 30 year terms on um we like to say not non-home site non-home site lot loans um you know so you go over the 10 to 15 acre mark you know we can look at that 30 year term okay with and and you know say you buy that 10 acre track we can also build that custom home on there for you we offer interim construction loans as well with fixed rate products and one-time close and so what is the average term would you say? Um, we try to keep it 15, 20 years. Uh-huh. Okay. No no property too little? Nothing. No property Obviously, too little. the bigger the better. Right? Obviously. <laughs> For all of us. You don't service all of Texas. No, we do not. Because, and this is interesting, I was sitting here yesterday, and a guy walked by, and he has a place in Montag County. This is an uh, area that I've actually deer hunted and turkey hunted quite a bit. And he wanted to... Um, sell this property I believe and you guys said well we can't actually help you you've got to go to capital farm credit or something bad words but that yeah but that's because of like the the farm credit history which is where I was trying to go with that yes so we were chartered Uh uh-huh whenever um, they started 100 years ago yeah Uh like 1918 right so we were chartered and whenever they made the dirt they chartered the territories so my territory sits in Lampasas, Burnett and Hamilton counties Mm mm-hmm Lone Star Ag Credit services 52 counties in the state of Texas. So if you live in any of my territory, I can go so far as to go out of my territory and even out of the state. Uh huh. Okay. So if I live in a county that you don't service, but my properties that I want to buy is obviously in that county, 
That's cool. We can do it. Uh-huh. Okay. Right so on. So if you're buying property in my territory, I'm all over it. And if you live in my territory and want to go out of my territory, we're able to do that as well. Okay. Yeah. That, see, that's fascinating. And they gave me a little history yesterday. And like, I guess every county had a farm credit at one time. And since then, it's been, you know, they've been some, obviously, I don't know how many counties there are in Texas, but it's, it's, it's hundreds. Some of them didn't make it, and so th that territory has been purchased by you guys or that's some of the competitors. So I guess that's how. And it, all that's fascinating to me. Yes. Um, in the history of our state, it's 98% privately owned. I, I'm sure farm credit has a lot to do with all of that private land being purchased at one point or time over the last century. That's right. It was. It started out, you know, federal land bank uh -huh. in in Houston. I believe, and then it start, you know, then they sp spun off the PCA side, which is the production side, you know, cattle equipment, and then they started developing entities and, you know, dividing off, and that's how we got here. Yeah, right on. So, 1918, you guys have been around forever. That's right. Um, the website, LoneStarAgCredit.com, if uh, one of our listeners wants to take advantage of y'all's services, and it, like you said, it's cool because once you do uh, become a borrower, you actually have an invested interest in the company. That's right. You become a stockholder and essentially my boss at the end of the day. <laughs> Let me ask you this. Do you know if, and, and I'm not sure if you will know the answer to this, but did other states kind of have the same farm credit system in place? They do. Was this like a national, like a government said we're going to start? I don't know about that, but I know that, you know, the farm credit system Mississippi, Louisiana, Alabama, mm -hmm. New Mexico. I think there's five or seven states where farm credit runs. Okay. Yeah, I was I was just curious. A lot of our listeners are from are from out of Texas mm -hmm. and I was curious to know if they had kind of a similar situation. So it's a southern thing. I guess so. <laughs> I guess so. Right on. Well Macy, we certainly appreciate your time. Thanks, Cable, for your time. All right, Macy Blankenship of Lone Star Ag Credit. Uh, like she said, 52 counties in Texas. Hey, if you live in Texas, in one of her uh, those core counties, and you want to buy land elsewhere, even outside of the state, uh, they can help you with that as well. So uh, always enjoy checking in with our friends over at Lone Star Ag Credit. They've been doing it for over 100 years. That segment brought to you by John X Safaris, uh, I also taped an interview with my buddy Carl, my PH from South Africa, while out at DSC. You'll have to wait until next week uh, for that discussion, though. But, hey, the trip is June 7th through the 15th. If you want to come, there is either one or two spots left. I know we had one guy sign up at the, uh, at the DSC show, but I believe we can still accommodate two more if you want to bring a buddy. So... Shoot me an email, LoneStarOutdoorsShow at gmail.com if you want to come on this summer's third annual Lone Star Outdoors Show trip with John X Safaris. Uh, unfortunately, we are out of time. Got to go. Got to get out of here. Thanks to all of our guests today. Of course, Macy Blankenship. Also, two-time Elite Series Angler of the Year, Gerald Swindle. And our buddy Corbin Williams of Corbin's Archery. We'll do it again, same time, same place next week. Thanks to all of our sponsors for making this show possible. Thanks to you, the listener, for being a part of the Lone Star Outdoors show. Until then, I'm Cable Smith saying y'all have a great week in the outdoors. Outdoors.